Welcome to Chapel at Calvin University, where we grow to love God and love people. I'm your host, Paul Ryan, worship pastor at Calvin University. Today in Chapel, Pastor Mary Holst continues her series on the I Am Statements of Jesus. She preaches on John 8, 12 through 20, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In this message, Pastor Mary reveals how the Feast of Tabernacles gives us insight into Jesus' claim to be the light of the world. Let's listen together. So friends, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or in a Bible app, the Bibles are the black books around you, to John chapter 8. This is page 870 in the Pew Bibles, John 8, beginning to read at verse 12. John 8, verse 12, page 870 in the Pew Bibles. We're looking at the I am statements of Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord. Again, Jesus spoke to them, the Pharisees, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, because I know where I've come from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. This exchange with the Pharisees took place toward the end of the festival of Sukkot, or the festival of tabernacles or booths. During the festival of Sukkot, Jews set up little booths outside of their homes, and they are required to eat meals in the booths, and if the weather is decent, they're invited to stay overnight in the booths, and this is to remind them of the time that they were living in tents in the wilderness. If you visit a Jewish section of a city in the fall during the season of Sukkot, you will see these little booths all set up. In the festival of Sukkot, they celebrated the gifts that God gave them when they were in the wilderness. Three gifts in particular. One, the manna from heaven. We talked about that last week, the bread that came down from God. The second gift they celebrated was water. And in particular, they would tell the story of when water came out of a rock. And the third gift they would celebrate is light. Some of you know the story that a pillar of cloud guided them by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so they celebrated the gift of light. We've already heard Jesus proclaim that he's the bread of life. That was last week. In chapter 7, a part we didn't read, he says, if anyone is thirsty, this is when they are celebrating water. They are going through a grand ritual celebrating water. And he yells out, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me. And now, 
here at the point in the festival called the Great Illumination, when the Jews would set up four huge torches around the temple courts, fill them with gallons of oil, light them up to celebrate the pillar of fire, right when this is happening, right near the treasury of the temple, right where Jesus is, he says, I am the light of the world. Do you see why the Pharisees were upset? Because he's claiming here to be the best gift ever. I'm the bread, I'm the water, I'm the light. They're annoyed. So they say to him, you just can't say that. You can't just like say that you're something. You have to have somebody who validates it. You need a second witness. And Jesus basically pulls the me, myself, and I card. He's like, I got me, I got my father. Doesn't really help his case much because they don't get any of that. And it's not just that he claims to be the light of the world. They're also annoyed by the rest of the phrase. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The implication there is that if you're not following Jesus, what are you walking in? Darkness. Yeah, they were kind of offended by that. You see, darkness and light, the play between the two is a huge theme in the Gospel of John. In the very beginning, he says of Jesus, he says this, What has come into being in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That's chapter 1. In chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to visit Jesus at night, in darkness, and John shows us that Nicodemus doesn't really understand. He doesn't really see who Jesus is. In chapter 4, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at high noon, the bright light of day. And John shows us that the Samaritan woman really sees who Jesus is. And now here in John 8, at the apex of the feast of Sukkot, when the lights are lit and bright, he says, I am the light of the world. This is all through the Gospel of John. We see people given this choice. Are you going to walk in darkness or are you going to walk in light? Are you going to refuse to see who Jesus is or are you going to receive him as a gift from God? Are you going to stay blind or are you going to see? This is why the Pharisees are upset. Jesus is telling them that they are choosing to walk in darkness. If they don't pay attention to the light that's right there in front of them, they are going to stumble around in the dark. If they don't pay attention to the light that's right there in front of them, they're going to stumble around in the dark. Over Thanksgiving break, Mr. Pastor Mary and I were able to go to Carlsbad Caverns, which is a huge cave in New Mexico. And you hike down and it gets darker and darker and darker and darker because there's no natural light in the cave. And we went on a tour with a park ranger who brought us into a chamber that was empty. And as she was teaching us about the cave and stalactites and stalagmites, at one point she had us all sit down. We had to hide or turn off anything that would emit light. Phones, watches, cameras. And then she shut out the lights in the cave. 
And it was so dark. You could not see your hand in front of your face. You couldn't see anything. But there was one person in our group who every time he moved his arm, his watch lit up. And she was annoyed. She'd be really calm. Like, okay, someone has a light on their watch. And uh, they need to just cover that, please. You know, but you could tell. She was like, seriously, I told you, turn off the lights. We could all see that light because it was so very dark. But would that little watch light have helped us get out of the cave? No. Would that little watch light have helped us stay on the path and not stumble? No. One of our biggest temptations is to rely on our own little lights. I can work hard enough to find my way out of this. I'm smart enough. I'm charming enough. I'm energetic enough. I can find my own way. I can do this. I can captain this team. I can run this committee. I can plan my life all the way out. I'm bright enough to get anywhere that I want to go. And then someone turns out the lights. Your 4.0 is cratered by a PE class. Your grad school application is denied. She breaks up with you. You don't get the job. The doctor calls with bad news. And your little light is pathetic in all that darkness. Our little lights of ego and intelligence and competence and success, the lights that, for many of us, we think, well, that got me where I am today. They're like a watch light in the middle of a cave. They do nothing for us. When we rely on those little lights, we get lost. We stumble. We fall into sin. We move away from God. In this passage, Jesus is inviting the Pharisees to turn away from the little lights that they had around the Jewish law and their own tradition and their desire for power and control and instead to turn toward his light and to really know the Father. He was inviting them to move from darkness to light. And that's the same invitation he gives us. Because when the lights go out, we need a grand illumination. We can't power our way through darkness. You can't schedule your way out of darkness. Darkness is not impacted by a higher grade or better enrollment or great fundraising. Our Productivity will not light up our paths. Can I say that again, Calvin people? Our productivity will not light up our paths. And if we attempt to control more and produce more and be better at something, you know where we're walking? Darkness. We are going to stumble. We are going to fall. We are going to move away from God. Our productivity will not light up the path. I was talking with a colleague who went in to Christmas break very tired. Been working hard, trying new things. Just weary and worn out. But over the break, 
He intentionally took time to pray more and read scripture and journal and listen to God. He stepped back into the light, the grand illumination, the light of the world. He stepped back into remembering that his pathetic little light of productivity was not going to get him where he wanted to go. And he went back into the light of Jesus and remembered the invitation to follow Jesus, to put Jesus first, to spend time with Jesus. And he came back to work after the break with his priorities in order. And he could see clearly because he was following the light of the world. That's what Jesus is offering to us here. When we're in the dark, and you can't even remember where you are, when you're lost, and you're afraid to take the next step, when you're in the wilderness, and you think, I have no idea where I am supposed to go, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the invitation to move away from those pathetic little annoying lights that actually lead us astray and to move into the bright sunshine of the Son of God. That's the invitation. And that's the promise Jesus doesn't say, it could turn out that if you follow me, you may be okay. He says, if you follow me, you're never walking in darkness. You're going to have the light of life. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. It's something we can take with us everywhere we go. On the night of the grand illumination, Jesus stood and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's his gift to us today. Blessed be his holy name. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we are very productive people. We like to get stuff done. We like to cross things off our lists. We like to hit certain numbers. And we're pretty sure that this can lead us where we need to go. So forgive us for the idolatry that is revealed when we do those things. Shine in our lives and in our hearts. Illumine the dark places and call us to follow you, the bright light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. And for those around us right now who feel that they are very much in the darkness, may we, in your light, take their hand and help them to follow. Remind us that we do not do this alone. We all follow together. Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. And we praise you. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Will you rise in body or in spirit to receive the blessing? One more quick announcement. There is loft tonight. Yeah! Loft tonight, 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. Come as you are, bring friends. Cookies after. Receive now the blessing from the God who loves you. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to Chapel at Calvin University. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to follow us and share this episode with a friend. Until next week, in the power of the Spirit, love God and love people.